2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. On this episode, you'll hear from Vlad Tenev, the co-founder and CEO of investing platform Robinhood. With over 22 million users, Robinhood's mission is to democratize investing by bringing new investors into the markets. And, boy, have they done that. Ten have joined us on October 21st, 2021, at CNBC's Disruptor 50 Summit, celebrating fast-growing, innovative, and, yes, disruptive startups that are on their way to becoming the next generation of great public companies. 2021's top disruptor, Robinhood, started the year as a private company before going public in July. He spoke to my colleague, Mad Money host, Jim Cramer. Here's their conversation. All right, so let's get the... uh
3: zeitgeist of Robinhood. When I first bet you, you had a great app. You thought that people would be attracted to it. Younger people. Younger people have been completely turned off the market for years. Where are we now between when I saw you as a disruptor multiple years ago and your current status of business?
1: Well, I think it's it's fair to say that investing has become culturally relevant. Uh, it's it's everywhere. People are talking about investing like they do, their their other financial needs, spending and, and saving. And Robinhood has grown tremendously. Over 22 million uh, customers use the platform as of Q2. And, you know, despite, despite the growth, we still feel like we're just at the beginning. And there's so many people out there that are still not investing. Over half of, of Americans don't have any investments outside of their individual retirement accounts or 401Ks. And nearly 70% of 18 to 29-year-olds have no investments whatsoever, not to mention uh, a lot of people globally who lack access to a functional banking system. So I think the trends are going in the right direction, and we see a huge opportunity to continue uh, democratizing and democratizing safely. And we see a world where uh, nearly everyone is investing in some form or
3: fashion. You and I have both agreed that democratization, is the greatest force in finance the uh in this period but i want to be sure it's democratizing correctly you mentioned people are investing if you look at your book of business we learned from gary gensler the chairman of the sec this week average customer 31 years old median account balance 240 dollars. how much of that money and it's all hard-earned of course is in option trading in crypto trading or investing in common stocks
1: yeah so uh the bulk of the activity has been investing in common stocks uh, in terms of assets on the platform. Uh, relatively few customers are pattern day traders. I think the number is 2% or so. Uh, we have uh, customers trading options, but that's a relatively small percentage as well, a little bit over 10% uh, on a typical month. So the the bulk of the activity is uh, is equities and um, You know, we we definitely see an increasing interest this year in cryptos as well as that asset has become a little bit more mainstream. And the philosophy is to allow access to these assets at the lowest possible cost, make it available to people on a level playing field, but also do that safely. You know, it's incredibly important to provide the customer support, the stability, uh, the high quality infrastructure, and the educational content to make sure that the people that are investing, a large portion of whom are first-time investors, are in the best possible position to succeed. So we, we absolutely believe in democratization, and you've heard me say this a bunch of times, but uh, it has to be done safely, and we recognize that responsibility. We've actually uh, spent a lot of effort this year and uh, all the way through the pandemic in making sure that we make lots and lots of investments to uh, put our customers in the best possible position to succeed. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, we announced rolling out 24 seven customer support via voice for everyone using the app um, and doing that across, uh, across every issue for logged in customers. Uh, and I think it's, it's hard to overstate how challenging it is to do that at scale and right. do it in a high quality way, and I believe we also became one of the first, if not the first, in the cryptocurrency market to to offer twenty four seven voice well, support. To let's talk, all let's all talk about before we
3: talk about the single source of uh, of truth and safety, which I know you have adopted to because you had to after what happened in the events of the end of January. We'll get to those in a moment. Uh, how do we, you and I, if we were brainstorming? keep people doing responsible things when it comes to crypto. We've got some cryptos that are named after dogs, and then we have actually dog variations. Uh, there's mutts. I mean, there's, should some of this stuff be put to sleep? I, against that, I own a lot of uh, adopted dogs. But I am concerned that you and I both know that a market itself could be irresponsible and there's nothing you can do. You can't tell people, I don't want you to buy a slice of crypto. Uh, How are you engaged in in, uh, trying to make people more wise? And how much of what you see in crypto would you describe as speculation as opposed to investment?
1: Yeah, I think this is a a tricky balance in the business, right? And, you know, uh, a lot of things that end up being quite serious and a bigger and bigger part of the financial system started out being underestimated and, you know, made fun of and, and ridiculed in some sense. So I think it's important to have that perspective and uh, and be balanced. And um, the the way that we approach it is, of course, by clearly articulating what our values are. And uh, you've heard me mention our value of, of safety first, our top value. And you know the way we operationalize that through the product is to make sure that of the assets we list um, we we make it clear to customers what the asset is in certain cases uh, this year earlier we launched uh, information labels on certain assets like uh, volatile exchange traded products or uh, or companies that have entered bankruptcy or uh, companies or products that are undergoing volatility so it's important to inform people of what's going on and give people that information. And it's a, it's a delicate balance because some people, a lot of people actually do understand what they're doing and uh, they know exactly what these products are and they'd like to have exposure to them um, alongside their, their other investments. And we have to make sure we allow that and, sort of make sure the happy path of people who are responsibly interested in diversifying and, um, and having exposure to cryptocurrencies and different assets have, have the ability to do that through our product and have an excellent experience doing it as well.
3: All right. I know that is definitely your duty and your fulfilling. Let's talk about the report that came out. The, uh, this is the Staff Report on Equity and Options Market Structure Conditions, early 2021. 20, 20, I'm calling it the GME Report. You and I have both read it. Uh, I have to I want to t- dive into it. But my first takeaway is that a lot of people who felt that there was a vast conspiracy of people, Citadel, for instance, you, me, that we were all somehow in on it to hurt people. I think that this report represents a complete vindication of that. And if you feel that way, tell me why you think so.
1: Well, of course, uh, you, you and I probably already knew that. And there's a lot of people on the Internet that um, are going to be difficult to convince one way or another. I think misinformation on the internet has been uh, a big issue of our time. Uh, of course, the as I said in a bunch of TV interviews around that time, um, and I know you and I have uh, made it into some memes together on the internet over the the last couple of months as well, um, which you know has its good and and its bad, as I'm sure you know. But uh, the the sort of cause for these restrictions that we had to impose uh, along with other brokers was crystal clear. It was an unprecedented time where you had lots and lots of people that wanted to invest in a small handful of stocks at around the same time, um, and you know the market wasn't really built for that. If you look at the core infrastructure of the market and the clearing and settlement system and the way that everything works. I'm sure that when everything was built over the course of the past few decades, they just didn't anticipate social media people getting together and funneling money into uh, a small number of stocks. Um, So I actually, I'm not, I'm not really making a value judgment on whether that's good or bad. I think people should be allowed to communicate with each other and buy the stocks that they're interested in buying. And uh, moreover, I think what 's interesting is a lot of these companies, a lot of these meme stocks um, are companies that have been hit hard by the pandemic. You have you know retailers, brick and mortar stores uh, you had the the airlines getting the attention of retail customers in uh, the early part of the pandemic and You could argue, you know, the government hasn't stepped in to help them in this difficult time. And retail investors have come in and and supplied them with capital and allowed them to grow their management teams. So it it is a very interesting thing that I don't think we've we've entirely unpacked. But I did appreciate that uh, that the report mentioned my policy suggestion of shortening the settlement time. I think Regardless, that's the right move for the industry and the right way to move forward our financial system and reduce systemic risk. Um, So I was really happy to see that alongside a number of other policy proposals that Robinhood and myself personally have made.
3: Now, I was out last night with a, you, a big Robin Hood fan, 19-year-old, terrific little terrific gentleman. And I said, what draws you to Robin Hood? And he said, because the app is so much like Candy Crush. It was not the answer I expected. Uh, is the app too much like Candy Crush, Vlad? No, I, I think that's,
1: uh, as someone who played Candy Crush maybe 10 years ago or so, uh, I can tell you that I don't see any similarities whatsoever. And um, I will the say customer this. customers
3: can't always be the, right. Maybe something needs to be done to dissuade people from thinking this is as easy and as fun as Candy Crush because I've not seen people borrow money and lose money on Candy Crush.
1: I think it, it's important for it to be easy and accessible. And there's a big difference between that and so-called gamification. And if you look at Robinhood right now, um, we, we do pride ourselves on having a simple onboarding, on having pioneered a cost structure and a business model with no account minimums and no commissions that's brought in a ton of new investors, a lot of whom are from diverse backgrounds that otherwise wouldn't have been even thinking about investing. And that's something we're incredibly proud of and we, we stand behind. And I think it's a very, very powerful force. And there is this notion that you hear thrown around that, you know, when... When wealthy people or institutions are buying stocks, then that's investing. But when poor people do it, it's, it's gambling. And I think we just have to move away from that. I think we, we reject that. We're proud of, of bringing all these new customers in. We're also proud of the educational content and a lot of the recent features, you know, not just the 24-7 support,
3: but the improvements we've you know, made in app learning modules. I could not agree with you more. Go ahead. Uh, I have spent an inordinate amount of time in my life Try and explain to people that just when someone just because someone who doesn't have any money is trying to make something of themselves in the stock market does not mean they are fools. This does not mean they don't know what they're doing. And until you came along, I felt no one in the industry believed in me. And that's one of the reasons why I've supported you from the day I met you, because you do want to give people a chance. You do not discourage. Now, shouldn't it be celebratory? I don't know. Should confetti Amen. go down? What matters is that you have you do not look down upon people who aren't that wealthy. Now, sometimes I think, and my wife does too since she met you, think that perhaps it's because it's your immigrant upbringing. Some of it is because I think you're just a good guy trying to get people involved. And some of it is because you realize technology can triumph over a lot of barriers. At the same time, there are issues that the commission brings up, issues about like payment for order flow, where to me, it would seem like you're willing to tell anybody anything. I mean, you're willing to inform you have become a person involved with safety and truth. Should you just give everybody uh, a caveat? Just says, look, you know, there's other ways to to trade. You can pay commissions. Some people think you get better. I don't know if you get better. We think you get better. Something that indicates that the commission's issues about this payment for order flow could go away. And instead, we focus on the fact that there are 22 million people who are trying to make something of themselves.
1: Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think that. Payment for order flow and you know digital engagement practices or what you what you call gamification in the report, uh, it was a little bit confusing to me to see it in there because first of all, it had nothing to do with uh, with restricting the the handful of stocks right. that were restricted right. in January, so it was sort of like a policy position that was kind of thrown in there um, a little bit as an aside with with no connection, no connection to the restrictions or the underlying issues. And I, I think the rest of the report supported that. Um, I think some of the criticisms of payment for order flow and the business model, frankly, don't make sense to me. I mean, you look at what the industry was like three years ago, uh, pretty much all of the large brokerages were charging commissions. And... Uh, making revenue from payment for order flow right. as an uh, as a as an addition, right? And Robinhood forced that to to zero, forced commissions to zero, and the payment for order flow model has become kind of the standard transaction-based model for for offering brokered services in that space. And alongside that, you've had uh, the best conditions for being a retail investor ever. The uh, by far, the lowest cost of execution across the board. Mm-hmm. Spreads have been have been tighter, and I think it's it's a great time to be a retail investor in America. And there's actually a lot of competition. Now, I will say, I do support. Uh, I came out with a a, a policy proposal uh, a couple of months ago about the sub penny rule, and there has been some criticism about whether our exchanges can fairly compete with off exchange market makers like. Uh, Citadel Securities and Virtue. And I think there, there's, there are opportunities to make the system better and to encourage more flow to go to the lit exchanges and to strengthen the NBBO. And I think we
3: should look at doing that.
1: Well, but you know, we I don't think want the, people running
3: ahead. We don't want rich people running ahead of the people who are trying to make something themselves, correct? No, we certainly
1: don't want to do that. But I think, uh, by and large, this business model has helped Pioneer commission free trading and make it possible and certainly what we wouldn't want is the return to a commission structure in the industry that'll just keep people out, especially those people of lower incomes and and
3: uh, and less means. Right. Now, how uh, if you to look at the breakdown of what kind of common stocks people are buying, how much are these stocks that are, say, jump 50 percent in one day, more than even GameStop? And how much are, are these days because we don't get to see the run like we used to? And I used to love that run where people are buying the great American industrials or they're buying the fangs, uh, buying fractions of the fangs because they, they cost too much. What is your just if you want to bro- break up the mosaic of what you're seeing, how p- many people are really investing in America?
1: Well, I think a lot of people uh, are interested in buying the stock of companies that uh, that they believe in, you know, companies that make products that they use and understand. So you'll have, you know, the big technology companies, the consumer companies that are among the uh, 100 most popular at Robinhood at any given time. And that's actually, you know, some information that we provide for uh, for customers within the app. Um, there's also, you know, certain events that, that happen. So cryptocurrency entering the mainstream this year, I think got a lot of people interested in cryptocurrencies and and we offer seven different coins on our platform. And from time to time, um, you will see sort of, uh, shifts from, um, from one sector to another. It's, it's, I think when, it's, when I was Bitcoin on your show the most last popular, year, or Are they starting
3: to buy, like, the uh, Dogecoin, Cocker Spaniel coin, whatever it is? I mean, uh, where are they, are they buying, like, the most steady of them, or are you seeing people just buying whatever is the least uh, lowest value, lowest dollar value?
1: Well, you, you, you will have a, a range of activity. I think, generally speaking, people do buy larger companies, especially with fractional right. shares now making those companies more accessible. You'll see people uh, investing smaller amounts into these companies. And with some of the tools that we've rolled out, like recurring investments and drip. OK, uh, you'll see people automating a lot more of that activity and actually dollar cost averaging into these names okay. so that, like that. Uh, they don't have to watch day to day. And uh, Or are they and dollar keep cost averaging into things, like, um, into
3: things like into things like what people are chatting about? Shiba. Um, now, I, I feel somewhat embarrassed to say that they're talking about Shiba, but that's what they're doing. Do you seeing Shiba being traded? Well, um, Is I, on your platform? I have heard oh, will you recognize uh, a lot of it on your people platform? In, that,
1: in that community.
3: We actually don't, about uh, don't
1: it? offer. You don't? We, we only offer seven coins okay. um, uh, currently. And I think the it, it goes back to safety first, right? So we're not generally going to be the first to add any new asset we want to make sure that it goes through a stringent set of criteria and um you know we're we're very proud of of our cryptocurrency platform and giving people more utility with the coins they have as a matter of fact we rolled out our wallets waitlist a lot of people have been asking us for the ability to send and receive cryptocurrencies transfer them to hardware wallets Transfer them onto the platform to consolidate, and uh, you know that the, the crypto wallets waitlist is well over a million people now, which, uh, which is very exciting. We see an opportunity to continue growing that business.
0: With the Wells Fargo active cash credit card, you can earn unlimited two percent cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need.
3: there was this bad old days period that fortunately did not last long uh, where there was kind of a, let's call it a hate Vlad movement. And I'd like to think that the hate Vlad movement actually peaked on the night that you were willing to go on Twitter and debate Dave Portnoy, where people thought you'd be a no-show, people thought that you didn't feel that safety had become paramount, uh, that you were gamifying or whatever, and you showed. Uh, And it Pretty much ended. Do you see that nerve the way I did? Well, it's
1: it's been uh, it's been certainly an adventure over the past <laughs> nine months. And uh, You've got, what happened you know, to what, you? I'm a
3: diplomat. Well, I want to <laughs> give me some old Vlad, will you? Give me some old Vlad. Like the pre-Mark Benioff Vlad. Um. I mean, the guy who says, yeah, well, I showed up. I was willing to take the heat because I knew I did nothing wrong. What happened to that Vlad?
1: I'm surprised my hair is still uh, is still dark, and I don't have I don't
3: have grays, or it hasn't Watch fallen yourself. out. I'll put it that way. Watch yourself. You know <laughs> we don't like that on our show. But no, I mean it, it did peak, and I think it peaked because you recognized that things you didn't want things to get out of hand. I remember in the midst, in the darkest moment, you were saying, "Look, no system was built for this," which is true. That was one of the things that were that came out in the report. But I think that your democratization got challenged. Uh, and you never wavered, but you did have to change what was the most important value. And since you've done that, Vlad, have you noticed that Vlad Tenev has become and Robin have become major? I don't want to say you're I hate to say this, but you're not a disruptor anymore. You're uh, the norm. Do you mind being the norm?
1: I think there's always opportunities to continue uh along our mission. And, you know, I know that a lot of people talk about Robinhood as as being a disruptor, and we certainly have been. We changed changed the industry, and people used to be paying commissions and now are not anymore. But I don't think that's done by any means. I think that you look at cryptocurrencies, for instance, people are still uh, paying 3%, 4% fees uh, to access that market. You see a lot of... um, a lot of opportunities to serve more customers that have even less money who are even more underserved than the people right. we have now, so I think there's a the mission has always been to democratize finance for all and to do that safely and um, you know in in some cases, that might require disruption in other cases, it's just going to be continual improvements to the product and just getting you know getting better and better each and every day with things like 24 seven support, improving our educational content and really just helping customers be successful on the platform. Cool. I, I think that's that's a big part of it. And we have really made uh, incredible strides. I mean, the, the team's been working very, very hard to make the platform as reliable as possible for it to stand up to heavy volume and, and days cool. where customers need us most and to be there for, for customers if they need help. Specifically well, if, if, if for if you the got first time, you've got who, the robust system.
3: The most robust system. You've got twenty four seven help, which most people don't. Is it time to start thinking bigger? For instance, right now we're hearing that perhaps PayPal is going to merge. Uh, with Pinterest. But we, but we see what some of the uh, companies are doing, Square is doing, it, not willing to be bound by the initial mission. I think that you have 22 million people who want more from Robinhood. Maybe they want to give some of the things that SoFi has, some of the things that Square has. Is it time to be thinking about the next big leg up for Robinhood?
1: Well, I think that there's always an opportunity to keep serving our customers, and we have been expanding quite a bit over the past uh, few years especially getting into becoming one of the first to offer cryptocurrency trading, sort of alongside uh, traditional asset as, as a brokerage, uh, our cash management product, which allows customers to earn high yield and spend. Um, and then with cryptocurrencies, getting more into cryptocurrencies as um, as a means of transacting with our new wallets uh, wait list that we We announced and are rolling out shortly so we're we're going to continue to do these things i do think that investing and making people owners of our global economy is an incredibly powerful thing and despite all the progress that we've made there's still a lot of people that don't invest and we see it as being very very important to to serve those people I think it 's not just good for them and their wealth building, but also important for society. A society where more of us feel like owners in the common enterprise is is one that 's just going to be healthier and I think um, you know i we started this company in the wake of the financial crisis. There were a lot of protests a lot of a lot of people were unhappy at the status quo and just felt like the, the financial system wasn't working for them. And hopefully, uh, bit by bit, we can improve that and make it an inclusive system and one that really serves the needs of the people as as well as it possibly can.
3: I know Chairman Gensler is very concerned about suitability. Uh, you, have nine, you have one million people who are 19. Uh, what do we tell the 19-year-olds to be sure that they understand that they're doing something that, that is in keeping with their suitability, which, by the way, Vlad, they may not even know the word. How do we get 19-year-olds to be investing what you and I would say responsibly and not blow their heads off on uh, shortened calls?
1: I think uh, it's it's the things that we've been building. And, of course, suitability is um, there's very strict rules uh, by by FINRA and brokerages have to follow them and Robinhood is always committed to following the, the rules of the road, road there. There's also educational content. You know, I think um, investment products are not, not suitable for everyone. They involve risk, especially when you're talking about options. And mm-hmm. having people understand the risks um, and understand all of the information of how they work uh, assuming they're they're willing to take those risks and are suitable is something that's that's incredibly important as well. Yeah that's so why we're we continuing to invest a lot here. more in we,
3: product and uh, right. and through right because people don't get enough i mean i think that, people you know, we do investment club basically just to be able to teach and I think that you're doing teaching now, and I think it's absolutely terrific because we need to do that because we don't. As much as we're thrilled that you have uh, the average customer's age 31, we've got to get this median account balance up to 240. Now, how do we do that? Do we and do these people own? Do you think mutual funds away or index funds, which I think is a very responsible way to start investing, and then they uh, use their so-called mad money, 240 dollars with you? How do, have you seen that grow? I mean, it, because you know that's not enough, and, and uh, we all work hard. I started with 200 bucks. I know you started with nothing, which is terrific to start with nothing. Uh, but I do believe that we need to get that balance up. And I'm trying to figure out how to make people wealthier. How do we make people wealthier?
1: I think the the best, the best way to do it is to have a long-term perspective and uh, put aside a little bit at a time and really start young. And you'll see kind of the magic of compounding and compound returns happen over a longer period of time. And I think there's ways we can continue to make that process easier Um, with recurring, with drip, with fractional shares. We have a lot of the building blocks and, you know, we're excited to see more and more people adopting those products. And uh, we believe that in the future, there'll be a larger and growing percentage
3: of the activity on the platform. Now, is the average investor uh, making a. I don't want to call it uh, necessarily progress, but I I would like to see the average investor not just suddenly go crypto. I mean, you've seen people used to be, say, 90 percent stock, now 90 percent crypto.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's certainly an interesting trend. Um, I think there's certain advantages that crypto has for uh, especially interoperability and the ability to be global by default. So, um, you know, regardless of where you are in the world, whether you're in the U.S. or overseas, you can have a wallet, you can send people cryptocurrencies uh, from that wallet to their wallet. And so there there's certain, uh, there certain advantages that are in the technology that make it kind of global and accessible by default. And that makes it very interesting. Now, of course, we also have uh, you know the, the equities market in the U.S. has really been where the best companies list uh, over time mm-hmm. it's been a tremendous source of wealth creation and there is uh, an opportunity to kind of make that easier make that more accessible as well so i i generally agree with you i think it's important for people to be diversified for them to build up uh, portfolios over time and and invest for the long term and um, you know what what that specific mix is i think um You know, we can probably debate, but crypto certainly is here to stay as an asset class and the ease of use and the global nature of it, I think, has made it attractive to Lots of people, not just okay. in the U.S., but, but people overseas. To, people are starting to come back to work. Is very interesting.
3: Uh, people starting to come back to work. It's also football season, which is a, a DraftKings, fan duel situation. Uh, are we? Are you seeing fewer people sign up? Is the is the app going down in popularity at all? As people then switch to football gambling, we know that we're not saying that they're doing Robinhood gambling, the football game. But these are various ways that people want to be able to make money. And the return to work means that most people can't sit there and trade or invest during the day. Are you? seeing those two trends, which is gambling and back to work, uh, cutting into the growth of Robinhood?
1: What I've always said, and you know, I think in our last conversation you heard me say this as well, um, we're not paying too much attention to short-term trends. Uh, the way that we're going to make progress and serve our customers and go after this opportunity of making as many people uh, long-term investors as possible is by focusing on the products. And so Uh, We're going to continue to roll out new products, improve the service, make sure that it's as easy as possible for first time investors to become long term investors and get all the support that they need. So, um, you know, whether short term fluctuations, COVID reopening, um, not not something that we're
3: going to spend too much time commenting on. Uh, By the way, did you see a president, uh, former President Trump's back today? Up 40 points. Do you follow any of these trends Uh, that some of the younger people really get a kick out of, too? I I heard about um, I I heard about
1: the product, the new social media platform, but I haven't been uh, haven't been watching the
3: stock too closely. No, no, it's a a, what I call it's a a newer public offering, so to speak. Definitely newer. Well, Vlad, look, I think that you've you've come through um, Hades and back. And uh, I love the theme that I know you do care trashy about is safety. Uh, any last watchword for people who are uh, young, who are watching, who are thinking about taking the so-called plunge into common stocks?
1: Yeah, look, I think that it's important to invest for the long term and to be educated. And uh, we want to make sure to meet our customers where they are. And especially for young people, a lot of that educational content has to be contextual it has to be. Um, it has to be in the form that uh, customers expect, and we're going to continue to provide that through Snacks on Snap and, and in product, which is our our podcast and newsletter. We're going to continue to increase the tools and the functionality and the support that's available to customers, and we're going to continue to roll out products that. Uh, democratize finance safely by giving you the lowest possible cost that we can offer and, uh, and the, uh, the lowest barriers to entry with a great experience. So that's what Robinhood is all about. And um, over the coming decades, I think we'd like to see more and more people globally become investors. And we'd like to be a, a part of that and really driving that transition to where everyone becomes an owner of our economy and our society.
2: That was Vlad Tenev, the co-founder and CEO of Robinhood. He joined Jim Cramer at CNBC's Disruptor 50 Summit on October 21st, 2021. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information on upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, please visit CNBCevents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening.